Holy crap, you guys ready for this? I cannot wait. This is a first timer. This is a first timer. Oh my god, I'm so excited about this episode tonight. You're listening to episode 17, or also known as the Dizzy Dean oh episode. Oh my goodness, you are killing me with these references. I don't want it to be obvious. I'm going to go with the Seinfeld of I'm Keith Hernandez. Oh, that's not so bad Ooh, either. As a Mets homer, uh, yet again, <laughs> I will keep my streak alive. <laughs> of the Geoholics, a podcast produced by and for Geomatics Professionals. Real quick, before we get into this, I want to mention the friends of the program, rplstoday.com. Guys, if you haven't done so already, check out this website. Great resource for geomatics, professionals, surveyors, the like. Tons of news, tons of great community forums. LandSurveyorsUnited.com is the other. And they claim to be the Earth's largest land surveyor community, having over, not nearly, now it's over... 16,000 members. They've hit the big time. They have indeed. And last but not least, Parkland College. Parkland College is one of two land surveyor programs in the state of Illinois. And they focus not only on surveying, but they also include GIS and UAV in their curriculum. So I think when, when someone gets done with their program, they, uh, they're also a Part 107 pilot. Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. I exactly. Like it. So if you're in Illinois or in the surrounding area looking to become a surveyor and want a post-secondary education, check out Parkland College. I was going to say, locally, you have to go to like eight different colleges to get that kind of education. Or you just don't get it. You got to do it online. Uh, yeah. And uh, of course, the opening tune there was Black Moods, Someone to Save Us. Love that song. Uh, Black Moods are Josh, Chico, and Jordan. They got a couple upcoming shows. I mean, it's not a full-blown uh, or full blown out all blown full full blown full blown there you go I like we'll get it. we'll get there i like it full blown tour it's a team effort. They, do have, they do have some uh show a couple shows here before the end of the year uh december 17th they're playing it's drummers in fresno on the 20th they're playing the hard rock hotel in las vegas and the show that i currently plan to be at new year's eve at rock bar in scottsdale really excited about that with that they just released a video on YouTube. If you guys are familiar with it, I'm a music guy, so hopefully you guys know this song, otherwise I'm really freaking old. But EMF, if you remember that band, had a song called Unbelievable. Oh! <laughs> yes. You got Andrew Dice exactly. Clay. Yes. <laughs> so that, check out that video on YouTube. It is so awesome, and it's one of my favorite songs from back in that, uh, that, that age, I suppose. And of course, all their music is available on Spotify, Apple Music. Love these guys, and... Uh, Guys, as far as the moods go, Josh moods. Um, if you guys, if you guys haven't already committed, we got to get you on here. So the moods. hopefully you're going like to listen to this. The moods. the moods, yeah, exactly. Josh, Chico, and Jordan. That's their street name. Yep, the, that's the street the moods. name. Exactly. Here we are at Social Hall Studio One. Missed it last week, but we're back. It's home. It's home. I feel every time I secure. walk in the door, I'm just like, boom! This is my happy place. Oh, it, it it is welcoming. <laughs> and now that we have like a bottle of uh, Fireball hidden in the in the wall, it's even better <laughs> than home, actually. So excited to be here. Let's catch up with the fellas, producer Jake. How's it going, guys? <laughs> How are you now, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, unfortunately, last week involved in a little bit of a fender bender. We're going to talk about that a little bit more during the safety share. Um, but other than that, got a lot on my plate last right now. So looking forward to the holidays and keep crunching out these episodes. This is a big week. This is our first remote guest. So I'm uh, super excited about that, that we can start doing these. And it was kind of hard to get all the, the tech together to make sure it happens. So. What's, but uh, what's but producer Jake comes through again. Oh, my God, this guy. Flawless. <laughs> 
Words can't describe uh, what he does for this show. What's on? What's Santa bringing you this year? I don't know. I, I don't. I, I'm always. I always get made fun of because it's really hard for me to to like put together a list because I feel like I have everything. Well, that's that's a problem. You're yeah. a I don't know. Man. Maybe uh, maybe maybe I'll take maybe I'll take a, a book out of uh, uh, Hudson's and I'll <laughs> ask for a robe. There you go. A nice, a nice robe, Hugh Hefner. A nice Ro- robes, robe. are, robes are so 2018, 2019. Yeah, that was last you year. Need, huh? You need some new pajamas mm. this year. <laughs> speaking of that, what's up with you, Ryan? Uh, it, speaking of Christmas and uh, all the fun involved with that, there's a little surprise though. Hopefully Hudson doesn't listen to this beforehand. But we're going to Disneyland after Christmas this year, boys. Did you Star- win the Super Bowl? No. We're just going. We're oh, just doing it. Oh well, we're gonna go for a, a last hoorah before my wife is uh, like unemployed it. and all that fun. So you're gonna get go- to check out Star Wars Land. Uh, no, we're we're gonna avoid that like the no. Plague. Come on, no, I, as Jake has an R two D two sweater on, <laughs> as <laughs> we'll we'll tweet out a picture on that one. But yeah, no, we're gonna avoid that. We're gonna go for. <laughs> Five days, Disneyland, California Adventure, check out the Pixar Pier. We're, we're Toy Story-aholics. So. I'm so excited for you guys. That's going to be awesome. I think Jake invited himself on your family vacation. I, I, I welcome him. Yeah. I'm more than Do you glad. need a producer, an uh, audio producer? Yes, <laughs> yes, that would be awesome. Oh, man. It, oh, it's so and, funny. Uh, to, to side note on the Disney stuff, Jake may have hooked me up with the Disney Plus membership. My son is hooked. Oh my goodness, he is all about every possible Toy Story thing on there. So, yeah, it, 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 it's an interesting situation with him. Uh, he he tried to finagle the other day. Carrie told him to go to bed, and he was like, I could just watch this video. It's three minutes. That's it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's done. We're out. <laughs> so a question I have, is there anything on the Disney Channel that is off limits to... To Hudson? No, that, that's everything's that's like all, rated that, PG or less. Oh yeah, it's right? all above I mean, board. All, we're we're good yeah. on that. There, I don't fantastic. think anything. Yeah. There's like above Y seven to yeah. use the uh, unless you start to get into like that, like Nat Geo, and then it's like animals, like like a Planet Earth type ah. thing, and then you might see like a lion like rip apart like a deer or something. That, that stuff happens in the yeah. world. He's got to be exposed get ready for to that it. early. I'm not gonna shield him from that. Uh, you know, he's gonna be a man. Well, let's hope. Uh, soon enough. <laughs> too too soon, if you ask my wife. But <laughs> what about you, Kent? Oh my goodness. Um, what do I have to bring up? Uh, first, Jake, have you heard about the new NASA Mars? Oh I think goodness. the Mars rover that's gonna have a drone on it. Is this different than the Starliner? That, oh, that's Boeing's. I, no, I haven't heard about this one. Uh-huh. I just read an article today, and I, I meant to bring it up when you were uh, chatting there, but I, I read an article today about this NASA rover that's going to be on Mars, and it's going to have a drone that deploys from it. And... Like an aerial? Like, like yes. a quadcopter? Yes, it's going to be freaking awesome. That's crazy. It's going to be amazing. Outside of that, I will say this. We haven't talked about Ryan's golf game in a while, but I got to play golf with uh, Big Shoots on Saturday. Thanks for the invitation, buddy. Of course. Absolutely. Had an absolute blast. Uh, And I will will have to say that Ryan's golf game has, in fact, improved. I feel... feel really established right now like improved. i've done something well <laughs> yes, <I've> done something <laughs> well I, it, it, in I, addition it, to creating hudson no uh, well that that was six years ago that's <laughs> that, that, that's that's over at this point but um uh, the golf game is good i cannot deny that hopefully what but, careful buddy good hey, hey improved well, I, okay it's improved yeah. and i saw yours not so improved dude i play <laughs> once every three months you play twice a week how can you can't compare the two games you did catch me on the second day of two in a row so yeah you know, it was, it was better 
Right on, right on. Let's uh, get to our safety share. So the safety share, uh, producer Jake alluded to it. He got rear-ended. And <laughs> in his car, in his car. <laughs> oh, it was my he, vehicle he just, was rear-ended. He yeah. threw up the softball. As soon as I, I, I said, it. "I'm like, oh shit!" Uh, so Jake, for the second time in a year, two years, the second time in two years, got rear-ended, and I believe totaled his car for the second time. It's a yearly tradition it's looking that boys. way. Yeah, yeah. So he had an Infinity before. He replaced it with an Infinity. I'm like, dude, stop buying Infinities. People hit you because they think you have money. Just get a Nissan. It's cursed. Get a Honda or something. I don't know. A Yugo. Get a Yugo. No, no. Rear-ended. It'll die. It'll blow up. So with that, and rumor has it, the person that rear-ended you this time was distracted. According to what she said, yes. According to what she said. So, of course, again, a softball. Our safety chair this week is distracted driving. I was so, going to say, I'm distracted by you saying he's rear-ended. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. So let, let me go through some statistics here for uh, those of you who, whether you want to admit it or not, are distracted drivers. Um, and this is from 2018, obviously, because 2019 is not over quite yet. So real quick, every year, distracted drivers are responsible for about 2.5 million car crashes wow uh interestingly enough it takes the brain 13 seconds to refocus after using a cell phone so you send a text look at a text whatever it takes your brain 13 seconds and if you're going 60 miles an hour 13 seconds i don't i can't do the math in my head but i'm sure that's a bit of a distance uh in the united states about nine people are killed every single day as a result of a distracted driver over a thousand people are injured every day in crashes caused by distracted driving. It takes only three seconds for a car crash to occur once the driver has been distracted. Ugh. Reaching for an object increases the chances of a car crash by about eight times. And then finally, driving distracted was responsible for about eight and a half percent of the fatal motor vehicle crashes in 2018. With all that being said, I'm so glad Jake's here with us. Me too. Yeah, Me too. Yeah, a little group hug. He su- he survived. <laughs> he <did. laughs> Thank he's, goodness. He's, he, he, we would have been off the air immediately. <laughs> yeah, there would be no hope for us left. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's uh, let's move along here. Our guest tonight. Gosh, I'm really excited about this just because, it's, as we mentioned, it's our first remote guest. The audio might not be as good as you're used to, but bear with us as we perfect this. Our guest tonight was born. And grew up in North Texas or the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's married. He's got three kids. I feel like I'm doing like a uh, like a Bachelor thing or something like that. What do they call that that show? You know what I'm talking about? The Bachelor. Bachelor. <laughs> Hobbies include bass fishing, bait making, and YouTube. We'll find out a little more about that. Favorite sports team is the New York Yankees. Boo. He's been working uh, in the survey industry for about 20 years, and he's currently the, a special representative for the International Union of Operating Engineers uh, Unit 3, I believe. And he is a, a United States Marine Corps veteran and an apprentice graduate. <laughs> so excited to have John Rector with us tonight. Hey, John, how are you, man? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yep, this is great. Our first remote guest. Um, you're, you're the guinea pig. Hopefully this goes well. I'm, I'm sure it will with producer Jake at the helm. Uh, let's, let's get to know you a little bit. First of all, your career path and direction. How did, you, uh, how did you get into the survey industry, and did you ever consider any other careers? 
Well, I, I, I joined the Marine Corps straight out of high school. You know, I thought that was going to be a career until I realized it wasn't. You know, uh, some of the punishments your body takes during that time, it just ain't meant for that that long term of a, of a gig, in my opinion. A lot of guys do it. Uh, but uh, when I got out, kind of beat, went back to Texas, where I'm originally from, beat around there for a few years, and my wife's uncle had reached out to us about the boom in the construction industry that was happening in Northern California. And he's a land surveyor by trade. And, uh, you know, there was a big need for land surveyors. So we, you know, packed up like the Beverly Hillbillies and moved out West and been here ever since. Put the rocking chair on top of the rocking the chair car on top and, and everything. everything yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was almost that bad, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in your military experience, were you a surveyor for the Marine Corps or what was your role there? No, I had a few different jobs. Uh, I was uh, security forces, I was infantry, and I was a military police officer for the last nine months or so I was in. But, you know, uh, part of the infantry is using compasses, reading maps. So I actually learned a lot of the basis for stuff that, that later I realized would be serving by, by doing some of that, you know, preemptive stuff during my time in. Yep, gotcha. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you again for your service. So, what was your first uh, true? What was your true, first true survey job? Uh, you know, the first one I ever worked on was a big building in downtown Sacramento. Um, they were doing a big excavation. It had been a old dump site actually in Sacramento, and they were excavating it to put up a big new building. And uh, so, my first day was basically holding, you know, holding a prism rod doing topo shots and learning pacing and some other things that the uh, party chiefs that I was working with that day were, were trying to show me. So uh, it was a pretty fun day, but, uh, you know, I guess you never forget your first job, right? You bet. So were you pretty much hooked right from the beginning? You know, I I, I think it, maybe it comes from my, my time in the Marine Corps, but I always have loved being outside, you know, so finding a job that allowed me to be outside every day and, you know, be amongst the elements and, and everything else was just, it was perfect. And, you know, my dad worked construction, my brother worked construction in Texas. Um, so, you know, getting involved in a different capacity, you know, the smarter capacity, in my opinion, uh, was, was a you know, fun route to go. No regrets. No, no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> Not even no one letter. So how nope. long? How uh, you're a special representative with uh, local three? Uh, how long have you been in that role? I've been in that role for about uh, nine years. It'll be ten years, you know, next year. I started um, in about early 2010. I've been a, a an instructor for our apprenticeship program for a few years before that. After I graduated the apprenticeship, I started teaching for the apprenticeship, and then. This role came open, and the administrator, the lady in charge of our apprenticeship program, had recommended me to apply for this position and thought I'd be a good fit to represent the members, uh, you know, the survey members of our union. Gotcha. So I did. A, I went to the website, did a little research. To be perfectly honest with you, I have not worked with any union surveyors before being here in Arizona. Uh, there are very few union surveyors out here. Uh, so this is a really interesting conversation. So the, what I did find out is that Local 3 is the largest construction trades local in the United States. Is that true? That is correct. We, uh, we cover four states, um, northern Nevada, the state of Utah, northern California, 
which is the 46 counties of Northern California. So the, the biggest swath, you know, Northern swath of the state. And then the Hawaiian Islands, as well as the Mid-Pacific Islands. So geographically, we're, we're pretty gigantic. Do you have to take any... Vi- uh, and we're up... Go ahead. Well, we also, I was going to say, we also, we're up, we're up to about 40,000 members currently today. So uh, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty impressive. So what, uh, what trades make up those 40,000 members? So we represent, um, our primary group is your general construction equipment operator. So the, uh, the operating engineers who drive bulldozers, scrapers, uh, motor graders, uh, you know, the mechanics who repair them, obviously the surveyors, um, the special inspectors who inspect the soils and materials as they're being constructed, uh, the crane operators. We also represent a small bargaining unit within the state of California called Bargaining Unit 12. And we have a bunch of public employee units, um, sheriff's offices, uh, county employees, and, and some of those folks. My goodness, that is a hefty load. <laughs> no kidding. It uh, keeps us busy, that's for sure. Well, with all that talk about Hawaii, do you have to uh, do any business trips out there? And if so, I've, can I've I join you? I've been out to you? Hawaii a few uh, I'll see if there's a seat available next flight, but uh, <laughs> I don't I don't go out there very often. We uh, we have a group, good group of individuals who maintain the islands, you know, uh, who's our business reps and district reps there, and uh, they do a great job. We have some survey companies down there, and... Uh, and they do a great job for us, so it's uh, it's uh, pretty nice to get to go. But it's uh, it's not an every every week, every month, or even every year trip. But I've, I have gotten to go a couple of times. So from what I read, uh, surveyors actually fall under the technical engineers category. Is that correct? Yeah, we have, our, our department, if you will, is the technical engineers. That's our special inspectors and land surveyors. Okay. So, uh, you know, that that group together is probably about 1,500 individuals within our union. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so, again, reading off the website, tell us a little bit about the apprenticeship, the surveyor apprenticeship training program. You don't have to go to a, to a ton of detail, but this is your opportunity to uh, to sell this program. Right. So, our we the survey apprenticeship program has been around for gosh, uh, about 40 years. Jeez. It is a uh, very comprehensive program. It's an 8,000 hours of on-the-job training program, so roughly about four years. Uh, there's eight periods of work that they have to complete during that apprenticeship um, as far as classroom curriculum. Um, and when they graduate, most of our folks upon graduation, you know, they, uh, they're they very competent, qualified party chiefs. Some folks go on to get their, you know, uh, LSITs or even LSs, uh, you know, their licenses here in the state of California. We have many, many of our employers or licensed individuals started out as brand new apprentices, you know, when they first got into the industry within our program. So do you guys focus on... And we have... Do you, do you focus on one thing? I was going to say, we have about... Good. Sure. Uh so we have about 250 apprentices in our program today over north, just in Northern California. Um, you know, and that's from the economic downturn in 2007 and eight, we were down to about 60, 70 during the, the lowest point. So we've done a lot of heavy recruitment and uh, actually have done really well retaining people as this economy has recovered. 
Yeah, definitely a benefit there, no question. So there's a number of steps, right? I mean, what does it take to, I mean, first of all, you ha- how do you get into the program? What's the first step? So the first thing you can do is go to our website, which you can either get there by Googling Northern California Surveyors Apprenticeship or just go to the website, which is the letter T, the letter E, apprenticeship.org. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm getting over a little cold here. Um, and uh, when you get on there, there's a couple of tabs on that website. One is for inspectors, one is for surveyors. Click on the surveyor tab, and it'll walk you through some of the basic, basic stuff of our program. And at the end, there is a, a little info box you can fill out. When you do that, you'll be put into the queue to be notified the next time we do our testing. And we do that several times a year, depending on the need. Um, and we'll call you up, get invited to the testing. The testing is a 60-problem math test, basically, for lack of a better term. It's, it's all cognitive thinking, word problems. Uh, you've got to score an 80% or better on that exam. Um, if you do, then you get invited to an oral interview board where our employers, the union, and our apprenticeship all throw a bunch of questions at you you do well there, then you get invited to a, a little boot camp that we do to, to give everybody basic skills so they can kind of hit the job walking um, instead of just standing there when they get out in the field. And they, uh, at that point, they're what we call an eligible applicant. They've gone through all the steps to get in, and they're, they're ready to go to work for one of our employers. Just like that? Just, yeah. I mean, it takes, it, obviously, it takes a, a minute to get all that done. The, sure. the, from test date until boot camp is usually about a month and a half yep. just now, for scheduling purposes and everything else. Is there any specific pool that you guys are kind of attacking, so to speak, more than another looking for recruits in the in the survey industry? Well, we, we look, uh, all of our employers really love veterans. Um, you know, they most veterans, when they get out of whatever branch of service they were in, they know how to get up in the morning. They, they're not afraid to put in a hard day's work. So those are some of the, the key people that, that they like to focus on. Obviously, me being a veteran, I like to focus on those as well. Uh, but we're also, we go out and do recruitment events at, at local high schools. Um, you know, we've worked with some CTE programs um, at local high schools to offer additional opportunities to those kids to learn about land surveying and, and you know, the, the good career that can come with it. Have you, awesome. guys, have you guys seen any uh, increase in the recruitment efforts from this STEM that everybody's promoting now, or has that kind of been overlooked as uh, far as the survey side of things? You know, from our perspective, we haven't really changed our approach. Uh, we go out and, and do the same recruitment we've always done, and uh, we get a lot of direct referrals from our employers. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how you guys got into the industry, but probably like 75% of the surveyors, I know they got into it because their uncle, their father, their brother, their cousin, somebody they knew was a surveyor and kind of flipped the switch for them to understand what a great career it was. And so we get a lot of direct referrals from our employers from people like that, that they've met and that they see that they have a potential to be a great surveyor. So what's, what's the biggest selling point of going that route versus going through learning the survey profession or trade, whatever you want to call it, through a, uh, a, a private survey company? 
Well, I'll, I'll say this, that all of our companies are private companies, number one. And, you know, we have a lot of people that go to Fresno State. They, they do a four-year program down there. Uh, they end up working at some of our employers' offices as a licensee or an LSIC. Um, our program, the one thing that we hold very valuable is in lieu of going that route where you're paying all that money uh, for a four-year degree, you, you start getting paid day one you're on the job. Um, our program is free to our membership. So as they come in and go through this, the only thing they ever have to do is basically pay for their curriculum. Everything else, the education, the teachers is all covered by us. So they're getting paid, they're getting an education, they're learning as they're earning, which is just a, a great way to do it. So then the And then I ended up with not ended up with like sixty thousand dollars worth of debt when they graduate. Yeah. I really like that. Learning no, I, while you're earning. It's a great idea. Yeah, I love it. Um so the employers um, I know there's steps like, you know, 1000, I, I was looking on the website, you know, the first step, you know, is your entry level second step, you have to have a thousand total worked hours. So the employer is the one that's kind of tracking that and, um, like signing off on those hours for that individual. Is that how that works? Yeah. They, the, uh, each individual apprentice has to turn in a monthly time card that shows their related training they've been doing out in the field. And it could be, Something as simple as, you know, setting up and breaking down equipment, uh, point staking, topography, boundary work. They note their hours on this time card. Their supervisor, in most cases, it's maybe a party chief. It may be the field crew supervisor signs off on that. They send it in and then we track their hours that way. Um, so it's it's kind of a two part authentication, if you want to call it that, between the individual in the field and their direct supervisor, because it all matches up with their time cards. And then as they accrue, you know, these, these benchmarks, 1,000 hours, 2,000 hours, 3,000 hours, as they, as they achieve those, those things, their pay increases along the way, correct? Yeah, that's it. You know, we have uh, our collective bargaining agreement with our employers basically indicates that when they start out as a first period brand new apprentice, they make half of our Chainman Rodman rate, um, which that's about 39 bucks an hour is the Chainman Rodman rate. So that's not a terrible living to be earning as a brand new uneducated person as far as the industry is concerned. Sure. Um, as soon as they achieve that first thousand hours and they move into the second period of work, that jumps up to 70%. So they get a 20% raise within their first 30 or 2000 hours, which are, excuse me, thousand hours, which is a pretty significant jump. And, uh, you know, from there it continues to until they complete the fourth period when they complete the fourth period, then they're then they're at full journeyman scale for wages and, and okay. benefits. Fantastic. So, is there ever a problem where, like, I don't know, so a, a person buys into this program, and for whatever the reason might be, they're say they say, "Okay, I'm ready to get out of it, and I just want to go to work for this guy on the private side." How, how is again? This is my lack of knowledge of the union, but how how would a situation like that? um un, unfold well they so they sign an agreement with the program basically acknowledging the rules and regs of the program uh which we could spend two hours talking about all that um but when they come in they're acknowledging they're going to go first all the way through the eighth period mm -hmm. if they choose to leave and go say to work for a non-union company it does happen mm -hmm. uh you know we have a lot of state state agencies and county agencies here in California that have their own, you know, land surveyors. And we do lose people to that. We, uh, we, we, 
we jokingly say quite often that we've trained half the surveyors in the state because, you know, they go through our program and they bounce and go to work for Caltrans, the California Department of Transportation, or some other entity within the state. Uh, but we have a good majority of them that stick with our employers for a full 30-year career as well. Wow. Wow. It's impressive. No doubt. So are these guys, when you say they stick with the – so they're they're from the union, but they work for a – particular private company for 30 years that's the arrangement it could happen Absolutely. oh yeah yeah so we have so we have a collective the union has a collective bargaining agreement with about 120 independent survey companies and so our membership can go to work for any of those companies they want during their time in so if they're unhappy at you know company xyz whoever they are then they can bounce over to another company that may offer them a better deal you know, maybe a nicer, a nicer truck or newer equipment or whatever it is, because these are all private businesses. And they, you know, especially with the economy the way it is right now, uh, there's a lot of headhunting going on. Oh my God. These guys are out looking for the best, brightest talent they can find. Absolutely. I mean, that's a that's an epidemic across the country. No question. No doubt about it. So when, when yeah. a guy, what about, so like a guy that goes to the apprentice program, you know, he, he latches on through the union with a private company and he becomes licensed. Is there another bump at that point? Yeah, they, there is a little bump that happens when they become a licensed individual. It's above and beyond the party chief rate, which party chief rates over 45 bucks an hour out here right now. Um, and I think they jumped up to about 47. It's not a big, a very big jump. Because frankly, most folks when they when they get that stamp, they get that license, they usually transition into that more professional role in the office, man, managing and maintaining the the field crews versus being out in the field on a daily basis, uh, like your run of the mill party chiefs. And I hate to call any party chief run of the mill, but sure. I, I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, of yeah. course, of course. So, is there is there any truth to the statement that the the union air quotes surveyors are primarily construction staking guys or are they also boundary alta topo guys our guys do everything and every company is is unique unto themselves so as an example um and i'll throw out some companies names if you guys are all right with that not not that it's advertising but just some of the companies we work with out here um you know we have a company called Kieran Wright, who's based here in Northern California. They are a land development beast. They do private land development, commercial land development. So this time of year in the winter months, you know, they're out there doing the boundaries. They're out there doing the topos as part of the design element for their engineers. Um, you know, here in a year and a half or two years when those plans get approved and turned around, then their guys are out there doing the construction staking for that, that project when it, when it comes to fruition. So, we have guys that do just about everything. You know, um, we've got companies, one company in particular, F3, that does a ton of refinery work. Um, we have a lot of refineries in Northern California, and they are just in all of those refineries doing a lot of very high detailed, you know, uh, HD surveying, if you want to call it that. Uh, you know, anytime they do these works around those refineries, they pull a pipe out. It's got to go right back in and, you know, all that mess. Um, dangerous place to work, and these guys are just utmost professionals and get in there and do that that really high quality work that they need inside those facilities. What type of uh, safety training do your guys have? 
So they go through a variety of safety training through their employers, individually based, obviously, a company like F3 that I just mentioned. Uh, they're going to do, you know, extensive individualized safety training at the refinery locations. Um, we have a, a big refinery safety program here in Northern California that anybody who works in the refineries has to go through prior to um, working inside those refineries. Uh, on the other side, just our general apprentices, we send them through some basic safety precautionary stuff about working on construction sites, working in open fields for the obvious reasons. We got rattlesnakes and stuff out here just like you guys do. Uh, we want them to be prepared for, you know, wildlife encounters, uh, heat stress, um, you know, dehydration, frostbite, all the different, you know, things that could potentially happen to us out in the field as well as avoiding safety, you know, avoiding cars and, uh, and construction equipment when you're either working in the roadway or on a, an active construction site. Gotcha. And the, the union union surveyors, the insurance benefits are provided by who? Is it the, the, the company they're working for or is it by the union? So the, the benefit package is paid for by the individual employers for the hours that those employees work. But it goes to a union trust fund where then it's, it, it creates those benefits for those individuals. So the benefits come from the union side, but they're paid for by the employers. Gotcha. And they're honestly, they're pretty tremendous benefits. So interesting. I've had, I've had two kids on that, that insurance plan. I think it cost me about a hundred bucks a kid to have, you know, hospital visits and everything. My goodness, I need to get in the uh, California survey. Yeah, you got to get in a union, right? There seems to be some advantages there for sure. Hey, you Apparently know, I, so. I, like I said, I grew up in Texas not knowing anything really about unions. My dad was a union postal worker for years, but I didn't really even realize what that meant. Um, when I moved out here and got into the union, I had some probably preconceived notions of what a union was and everything else. And, man, was I was I wrong. This, this is... Uh, was one of the it's one of the greatest decisions I've ever made in my life to to come out here and do this. Well, congrats, that's great, that's great. With uh, with that being said, who uh, who would you consider who would you consider to be a mentor in your career? Do you have any mentors that you'd like to mention? You know, I, I've worked for a lot of really good surveyors um, that taught me a lot. Um, the, you know, guys that stick out in my mind are, are guys like Mike Falk, who is a uh, a licensed surveyor. His, uh, his father was the founder of one of our biggest companies. Mike went through our apprenticeship, uh, got his license, uh, now owns his own company in the Sacramento area. Uh, his, his partner for a, a lot of years, a guy named Terry Warren, another guy who just taught me a tremendous amount of, of about surveying. And I, I worked with those guys for years uh you know, and uh, have the utmost respect for, for both of them to this day. That's great. Did you have something, Ryan? Well, I was going to say, as a, I, I don't want to call you an older gentleman, but full of wisdom. I'm, we'll I'm say. only 43. Come on. Man, so. <laughs> we'll say, you know, full of wisdom. Is there is there anything you would tell your younger self now with your career path and, and where it's taken you? Uh, I would just say toe the line, keep doing it. Um, you know, there we all make mistakes. Uh, I think we get better from them. Uh, we met with a group of apprentices today, and and you know some of them are struggling with the program. It's it's not easy. You know, it's it's tough. And one of the things that I kept reiterating to them is stay focused on the work. You know, stay active with your work, and and you're going to screw up. 
you're going to make mistakes, but that's part of learning and becoming a better surveyor. In my opinion is, is learning from those things and, and getting better every day. You know, every, every trip out is going to be a new adventure, right? Um, it don't matter if it's a boundary or a construction site, uh, there's going to be obstacles in your way and just keep moving forward and do the best you can every day. Yeah, I got to say this. I mean, kudos to you, John. You're in a position to where you have you have the power to influence so many people as far as the survey profession goes, and uh, on so many levels. On so many levels, yeah. That's 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 awesome. Good for you, man. Well, so, it's uh, you know I, I look at it from the perspective of what it what it provided me and my family. You know, um, coming in as a green, brand new, first period apprentice not knowing the difference between a hub or a guinea or spike or anything else and just walking out onto a job site and, you know, spent many a night going home, scratching my head if I was making the right decision. And, sure. you know, here we are years later. And, and, uh, like I said, it was, it was probably the most important decision I've ever made besides marrying my wife and, and going to the Marine Corps, you know, it, uh, it, it really changed the, uh, the outcome of my future and, you know, my family's as well. Yep. Yep. And you're, and you're influencing so many people. Um, what's a, just out of curiosity, what's a, what's a typical day like for you? Uh, for me, a typical day is, you know, probably taking and responding to about, you know, somewhere around 50 to 60 emails and phone calls from the membership, from employers, um, you know, from state legislators, because we're constantly working with them on improving our, our state's land surveyors act. Um, working with our employers on, on different projects or issues that they're having in the field, um, working with the membership on, on issues that they may be having, uh, or just general questions where they're unsure, you know, uh, how they're supposed to be paid or, you know, maybe it's an issue they're having with their apprenticeship program. It's, you know, my job to facilitate and fix those issues, uh, to work with the employers to, you know, help try to land them more work if we can, um, it's just that it's, it's an ongoing nonstop battle, as you can imagine. Um, there, there's never a shortage of drama within the service, so, as, as I'm sure all you guys know. Yeah, definitely. So what, how, how is your relationship, or how, how do you coexist with the California Land Surveyors Association? Uh, we work with them on quite a bit of things, like the, the legislation I mentioned earlier. We've been working on it for a couple of years. And uh, CLSA, they are a, a, a part of our coalition that we've been working with to make these changes. They are, you know, uh, they have two or three individuals who have been part of our coalition since the beginning, its inception, of uh, looking to improve the rules and regulations within the state of California as they relate to the land surveying industry. And, uh, you know, we obviously always welcome their input. We work with uh, ACEC California. Uh, we work with our employer association. We work with the other operating engineers local in Southern California. Um, you know, anything that's going to provide for the betterment of this industry, we're going to work with those folks. Good stuff. Well, as, you, as, as we've gone over a few times now, your military service, and again, thank you for that, cannot emphasize that enough, um, with the Marine Corps or... Union, is there a mantra that you live your life by? You know, I, for me, I, I, you know, I've, I've always kind of been ingrained with the Marine Corps thing since I was pretty young, you know, and it's, it's, it's a family, it's a brotherhood, you know, um, and, and I will say that, you know, 
that the the union is very much a very very similar approach. It's a you know the people you work with they're your brothers, they're your sisters, they're your family because we all rise together. You know, and and especially in, in the the small niche community that is land surveying, um, you know, the success of a big firm usually leads to the success of a smaller firm or or vice versa, and. You know, we all just try to work together. You know, there's always little rivalries. We uh, we keep tabs of the hours that our employers work every year, and they hold great pride in, you know, being the number one hours-producing company within Local 3 every year. Um, you know, and, and, and our members who work for those companies hold a lot of pride that they were the ones that put in all that hard work over the course of a year. Good stuff. How's the... Um is it hard to get people or to find people to come into the apprenticeship program or is it, is it something that just kind of happens naturally? Um, you know, it, it, we, we've gone through periods where it was difficult to recruit. I will be honest. Uh, you know, and then we go through periods like we are right now. We have probably on average five to 600 people applying annually to our program. Um, and we obviously, we don't have spots for all those folks. It would be great if we did. Um, but we, I think on average, the last two or three years, we've brought in around 50 people a year. You know, as people graduate and move on to the journeyman status, uh, you know, we replace those apprentices with new apprentices. And so it's, it's kind of a cyclic thing. And, uh, you know, as the journeymen move up, they, they eventually, the, especially we're getting the boomer, the boomer time right now where a lot of these boomers are retiring finally. And, and as they go, we're bringing in that next generation of younger journeymen who are taking and, and backfilling those positions. And then that's creating new spots for those apprentices right behind them. That's awesome. So those folks that you don't have room for, send them to Arizona. The cost of living is cheaper and we are dying for surveyors. I, I'll, I'll let them know. I actually <laughs> got a guy that works. Okay. He moved out this way. So, oh, um, I think we pay a little better is what he said. I'm not going to, you know, argue, but, uh, you know, that, Hey, a Ford pickup costs what a Ford pickup costs. The housing may be a little more expensive out here, but, uh, but you know, they, they sure get paid is what they get paid really well as, you know, along with that. So, um, I don't know what a party chief makes in Arizona these days, but you know, our guys are, you know, they're going to be probably in the next few months, they're going to be pushing about 48 bucks an hour. that's pretty good. Well, we're going to we're gonna delete that. I was going to say, party chiefs in California <laughs> okay, yeah. make that much. The ones that work for Kent, like $12 an hour. What was that? Raising minimum wage? That's that's Kent's yeah. party chiefs. <laughs> hey, John, so um, I'm a, I, I consider myself a bass fisherman, and I see that's one of your passions as well. I consider myself a bass fisherman, so I was really intrigued when you mentioned that on your bio. Uh, tell me, tell me your best uh, okay. large mouth story. And uh, I don't, I don't mean from like earlier this year. Back from from earlier this year, I caught two bass at, for eighteen pounds on back to back casts. Are that? you freaking kidding me? It's impressive. The first one was ten oh four, and the second one was seven twelve back to back casts on the the same worm. Even where were you at? I was fishing up in a, a, a lake called Clear Lake. It's uh, kind of north and uh, north and east, or north and west of the Sacramento area. It's one of the biggest bass fisheries in Northern California. It's a phenomenal place. 
but it was my first 10 pound bass. And then on the very next cast, I caught one almost eight pounds. It was an epic day. Oh my God. So, Jake and Ryan are like, they're not even acknowledging that part of your conversation. Whereas me who has had experience. Now, holy shit. A 10 and a nine. Are you kidding me? We're, we're looking up our that, clear that, Lake California. So unbelievable. we can plan our next vacation. I, I, oh yeah. I, if you got Instagram, you can look me up on Instagram or you can look me up on YouTube and there's video of it. I got video proof, if you will. Um, but yeah, phenomenal day. Um, you know, I, I, I'm lucky to live where we live. I've got a small mouth over seven pounds that I've caught. I've caught spotted bass over seven pounds. Um, and then obviously I've got a large mouth over 10, which, you know, that's in my opinion, I don't know that I'll ever be any of those, but that's, uh, it's, I love it. You know, um, I, I do, a lot of stuff around the fishing and bass fishing world. It's just a, you know, it's a, a, a great hobby of mine. I love it. So um, is it safe to assume you have a boat? Uh, I do have a boat. It's kind of broke right now because I cracked the hole at Clear Lake. Because <laughs> it's like, uh, it's an old fiberglass boat. There's an, an iceberg uh, dead ahead. 91. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was an iceberg, but there might have been a log in it. Um, so, but I... I cracked the whole. I'm lucky I got some good buddies that have some boats, and I go out with them all the time. So, oh my god! I like that this guy is a tall tale teller, but yes. he's got the the Instagram. He's like, you could look me up, and I will. Back Dude, we're this on up. your when you're on your Instagram right now, checking it out. That, that is that, awesome. There's no doubt about it. We're gonna we're gonna make sure we uh, report this accurately. So if, if we come up to uh, Northern California, is there a chance we can go fishing for some largemouth when the boat's fixed? Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that, that, without a doubt. Uh, we can go. California Delta is an amazing fishery. Um, it's, you know, all over the Sacramento, San Joaquin area. Um, one of my favorite places to fish, but clear, there's nothing like Clear Lake in the springtime. Throwing square bills, throwing jigs, throwing big swim baits. Uh, oh, yeah, you can't beat it. That's so awesome, man. Is it frowned upon if we use producer Jake as bait? Yes, that'd be uh, fun. I, I thought that was a, I thought that was the the plan anyway. So Ryan, no, it's all good. Ryan's like, can I put a hot dog in a bobber? <laughs> Did you catch me? Uh, people, you know, I, my my buddy was down there. He he played hooky from work, and uh, he went up to Clear Lake this just yesterday. In fact, and caught a thirty pound catfish and a twenty pound catfish all on wow. one trip. Oh my! God. And he very well could have been using a hot dog in a bobber. I I didn't ask him, but. Uh, that's yeah uh, awesome. each his own right absolutely so john with that is there anything that you uh you might want to mention maybe we didn't uh, give you the opportunity to bring up you know i i would I, for anybody that's thinking about getting into this industry and obviously you guys are proponents of it you know um there's a lot more to it than than what you probably think and um i i've always tried to tell people especially here in california and it's probably the same in Arizona and Texas and everywhere else. You know, being a land surveyor isn't necessarily going to get you that house on top of the hill with the, the, the amazing view and all the toys that you want in your life. But it is a it is still a good, solid, middle-class living, and it's a very reputable industry to be a part of. You know, the profession, you know, uh, you know, it's it's three surveyors and the other guy right there on Mount Rushmore, right? This It's long, oh. long-standing history within our country. It's, uh, you know, and it, how can you beat it? It's, it's one of the greatest things we, we do, I think, you know, so, uh, look into it, get, you know, if you're interested, talk to somebody about it and, you know, 
go out and watch them or go out and help them one time and, and really see what the industry is. And you may get hooked like the rest of us. Absolutely. John, thank you so much for your time this evening. Appreciate everything you shared with us and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for being with us. Yes, thank you. Appreciate your time. No problem. No. Hey, it was great, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. With that, thanks. let's uh, make sure we recognize the Fens. Fens. The Fens. Friends of the program. Are we, this are we episode going, are we going sponsored by Fireball. We'll be in Boston. We can have the Fenway Park <laughs> if you'd like. RPLSToday.com, LandSurveyorsUnited.com, and of course, Parkland College. Check out their website, parkland.edu forward slash surveying. Thanks again to Social Hall Studio One. Oh, it's, it's home. Love this place. We it, just need a fireplace. It's just so comfortable. Yep, absolutely. And, of course, follow us, the Geoholics, at thegeoholics.com. And Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Podbean, all the social media outlets. Shoot us an email at info at thegeoholics.com if you want to be. We've gone off the rails, boys. (laughs) It's over. We need someone to save us. Black Mood, someone to save us. Check them out, guys.